there. Thanks for tuning in to episode two of Africa Say What. This time, I thought we'd start by giving proper introductions of ourselves so that you know us a little better going forward. I'm Sarah. I'm a final year student of international studies. My area of specialty is political economy, and I'm really nerdy when it comes to geography. So if you put me on the spot and asked me what the capital of Vanuatu is, I'd be able to tell you. I don't know why I know, but I know. Hi there, my name is Joy Rikansakanza. I'm also an international studies major and a junior at Bryn Mawr College. Well, unlike Sarah, I am not a geography nerd, but there is one thing I'm addicted to, and that is art. I love art in all forms, shapes, sizes, you name it. I love music, I love poetry, I love theater, I love fashion, but most importantly, I'm addicted to taking pictures, and if I see a photographer carrying a camera, I just go crazy. And in today's spotlight for the podcast is champagne. I absolutely die, darling, for champagne. First of all, fun fact. I just found out something I called moe for the longest time is actually pronounced moet. More interesting is how Nigerians drink moet and drink a lot of it. Statistics show that Nigeria is the largest importer of champagne in Africa and the 23rd largest in the world. We, and to avoid generalizing, the middle to upper middle class demographic in big cities, especially Lagos, apparently drink it so much that some reports have erroneously stated that Nigerians drink bubbly more than the French. Can you beat that? Well, Sarah, you're not a lone girl. Um, a few weeks back, South Africa's Bonang Mateba, also known as Queen Bee Darling, was also called out on Twitter for mispronouncing Moet by Emma Warriors. Now, if you're not familiar with Emma, she's the former Miss Botswana 2010, who proceeded to become the first princess on the Miss World stage in 2010. Well, that correction ended up igniting a Twitter battle, which is a story for another day. However, jumping to today's topic, I must say, I was amused by the number of articles which testify on Nigeria being the second largest consumer of champagne, second to France. I'm not the biggest fan of champagne myself, and to be honest, I grew up surrounded by people who did not consume alcoholic beverages and only got to know about champagne through watching television where local Zimbabwean artists sing about women, money, and how popular they are would use champagne as a prop to enhance their videos to legitimize their lyrics. In addition to that, I've also attended some events where in order for them to be described as classy, there definitely has to be a bottle to pop. Maybe can tell us a bit more about champagne as a yardstick to measure wealth. So here's a funny story about a pretty popular senator whose daughter got married about three years ago, if I remember correctly. Now, if you haven't seen what a Nigerian wedding looks like, look up Metrophile on YouTube. We tend to be opulent, celebratory people. Or better yet, make friends with a Nigerian and pray that their relationship lasts so long that you get invited to their wedding. That's a legitimate bucket list item. Anyways, society weddings are particularly over the top. I mean, the bride's mom was a big shot in government, so somebody save money. But among all the blog articles about the wedding, the funniest one I saw was one where the reporter was ranting about how there was only one bottle of champagne per table. And I don't even know if he was being sarcastic, but it was a legitimate concern. These are guests with expensive tastes, and clearly one bottle just doesn't cut it to them. It doesn't suffice. 
Anyways, it became more of an embarrassing scandal because another senator who was a guest at the wedding had to order reinforcements for the disgruntled guests on the spot. Hallelujah, more champagne for the wedding, so pretty much a Jesus moment. Moral of the story, if you can't turn water into wine, roll out the cash and buy it. Well, Sarah, this is the reason why you can't invite demanding people to your wedding. I mean, oftentimes attending a wedding ceases to be all about celebrating the union of two families and just becomes this event where people go to where people go to determine or to measure the depth of the bride and groom's pockets. It's pretty much unfortunate. And I think why it was such a big deal is first of all, champagne is now more than just an accompaniment to food. It's not just what you put in a glass and toast to achievements with. Now it's become a status symbol, as with many other material things, iPhones, etc. I'm going to delve into economics a bit here. Bear with me. I mentioned earlier that champagne is imported. Now, if you're from a developing country, I put that in air quotes, there are psychological, social, and economic factors that make you appreciate foreign items a little bit more than what's homegrown and domestically produced. Piling on to the foreignness of champagne is its price point. Champagne in Nigeria can range anywhere from 15,000 naira to 80,000 naira per bottle, and that's from Luc Belair to Dom Perignon at the very end of the scale. Thank you to drinks.ng for those figures. But when you add Ace of Spades to the mix, that's a whopping 200,000 naira. And how crazy is that that that's what someone is earning in a month? But for people who can afford it, I think the theory of the leisure class applies here. If you're an economist, you've come across the term Veblen goods. Now, these are goods that work contrary to the law of demand that says people stop wanting to buy things when the prices go up. That makes sense, right? But there are luxury goods whose demand increases as the prices go higher. They are often used as a sign of social and personal status, which you can see on Instagram every day, pretty much. And they're made attractive by their exclusivity. So only a few people can own one of these things. They may include famous brand name handbags like Chanel and Hermes, Rolex watches, expensive artwork, and you guessed it, champagne bottles. Now, CNN just published an article a couple of weeks back stating that even in the recession Nigeria was going through, Nigerians festively keep the champagne flowing. In the interview, the CEO of Drinks.ng says that sales have increased by around 80% in each of the last two years and that they serve people with enormous budgets. I quote, the average wedding brings in sixteen dollars to $20,000 on drinks alone, and last month we had one wedding with $80,000. I'm going to leave you with those figures, and all I can say is we have a growing middle class and a soaring nightlife scene, and I'm just curious to see what the statistics will show in the near future. Well, I must say it has been really interesting to learn about the consumption of champagne in Nigeria. I'm also curious to see other trends which will develop and how far people will go to keep up with them. However, for now, I would like to shift gears and give you the inside scoop and the on the heap and happenings in the motherland. 
Firstly, we at Africa Say What would like to congratulate Nigeria for securing its spot at the 2018 World Cup tournament, which will be held in Russia. Sarah, I know how much this means to you. I mean, you had been hoping and praying that your country qualifies and it has finally done so. I'm also positive that a lot of Nigerians are elated due to this qualification, which was a direct result of Nigeria's win over Zambia. The World Cup is the most prestigious association football tournament in the world. In addition to that, it is the most widely viewed and followed sporting event in the world, exceeding the Olympic Games. Nigeria, Nigeria Super Eagles will be joining other countries like Brazil, who have already secured their spot for the tournament. Now, what does that mean for Nigeria or even Africa as a continent? Nigeria's qualification is not only an accomplishment for the team and the citizens of Nigeria, I'm confident that other countries will also be rooting for Nigeria on the international stage. And to me, that is a great achievement. Oftentimes, when people hear the word Africa, it is always associated with poverty and disease. And this is in tandem to the image that has been created about Africa through various scholarship. And thanks to Nigeria, we will be challenging that stereotype. Once more, congratulations. Moving on to other news updates. We would like to say happy Independence Day to all African countries who celebrated their independence during the month of September. And these include Swaziland, Botswana, Guinea-Bissau. And celebrating their independence this month in October, we have Cameroon, Nigeria, Lesotho, Equatorial Guinea, part of Morocco, Zambia, as well as Uganda. Now, speaking of Uganda, I'm sure that you have seen the video that broke the Internet a couple of weeks back. President Museveni's bill of extending the presidential age limit has stirred a lot of controversy in Uganda. Here's what's going on. Now, Yoweri Museven, who is current currently 73 years old, has been the president of Uganda since 1986. The current status quo makes him ineligible for re-election in the next election because the constitution has an edge ceiling of 75 for anyone who desires to be president. He proposed the bill, which was then passed on to the Parliamentary Committee for review. This was met by a lot of opposition from religious groups and some members of parliament who found this bill grossly unfair and undemocratic. Now, a fight broke out during the first day of of the opposition to the bill and on the second meeting some MPs were banned from participating in the proceedings and there were security forces some who were wearing plain clothing there to ensure that there was no opposition this brings me to question the idea of democracy in Africa just in general we saw something similar during the South African state of state of the nation address earlier this year where the EFF was literally chucked out of parliament now my question is what is the role of opposition then if everything now on a lighter note i want to talk about how i love my continent right there are some weird trends that spread so fast and help us take our minds off stressful events and one of them is the one corner challenge in ghana which is spreading to other countries on a daily if you haven't seen the crazy videos circulating on facebook instagram and other forms of social media the one corner challenge comprises of people dancing along to patapa a misty song one corner in a very hilarious way the song is really popular and if you haven't seen the videos, I strongly advise you to check them out. On an even lighter note, um, the Oscar Pistorius movie, I have no words for that. Did you see the trailer that just came out last week? All I have to say is, Lifetime, stop it. Stay in your lane and let Africans tell their narrative because now the Pistorius family is suing Lifetime for what I believe is a misrepresentation. But, you know, and I think they're doing that rightfully. I absolutely have no problem with that. 
But that's it for this episode. Don't forget to join the conversation on our social media platforms. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Africa Say What. And look out for our tweets on Twitter at underscore Africa Say What. Leave your comments everywhere. We want to know what you think. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>